My name is Benjamin Pace, and you're listening to the No Content Podcast. And if you happen to be a duck listening to this, you're in a safe space. beginning here I wanted to say something something uh, that came up on my heart was I wanted to clarify a few things and I, and I mentioned something about this in the Thanksgiving podcast that I did but I, I just had a few more things on my heart I wanted to say about it um, I've been ministering a lot on the grace of God and on how when when we have a revelation of what grace has provided for us we don't have to try to work for it or earn it or pay for it, but we receive that by faith. Um, but, you know, I've been talking a lot about the the term paying the price and how, you know, we don't have to pay the price. We have to receive His grace. We have to be strong in the Lord. We have to abide in the vine. And He sustains us. And listen, Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And when it comes to what sustains us, and what empowers us to do anything for the Lord, um, whether it's starting with salvation, whether it's receiving our healing, or whether it's walking out this life. Uh, Colossians tells us, as you received him, so walk in him. So we do that by grace, and we need his grace to get out of bed in the morning, and we need his grace to pray, we need his grace to, to do anything, and the Holy Spirit is a gift. You can't by the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so that that is what I've been endeavoring to minister in that. But I wanted to just make a few things clear with that because I heard some things recently from some elders in the faith talking about um, no-cost Christianity. And I, I wanted to make sure that I'm not communicating that, that I'm not communicating a no-cost Christianity or, or a message that says you don't have to give up anything for Jesus. You don't have to sacrifice anything for Jesus. You know, you just live your best life. You just do your thing and, and you know, it's going to require nothing of you. And that is definitely not uh, anything that I would want to, to communicate in that. And I don't believe that has been my heart. Although I, I will say this, I think that in a lot of ways, I, I didn't put enough emphasis on that in, in, in ministering that. And I, I said it frequently. I said it often. And if you listen to my podcast, you probably heard that. And so I do believe there is a truth and a principle in that, that whatever is by grace, we can't pay for. But at the same time, um, also realizing that, that the life that we're called to live is not um, a life that is going to be comfortable for our flesh, that's going to be um, one without any requirements of us. Um, no, certainly not. And I hope I've made that clear. I just wanted to make sure my heart was clear on that. I wanted to make that abundantly evident that I, I, I am not preaching that kind of message when I say that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not recanting anything that I've, I've ministered on that. I just felt impressed to, to be more clear about it 
and to uh, define what it is I'm talking about and what I'm not talking about. But I just want to I want to clarify that, and I want to make sure that I'm communicating the scriptures correctly. And you know, I'm a young minister, <laughs> you know, and and so I'm endeavoring to walk in the light that I have. But I also want to be sensitive to any time the Lord would bring balance. And so that's something I wanted to to say in that. And so uh, I hope I hope that's clear. If you hear me talking about that. Um, or you go back and listen to any of the former podcasts and you hear that, I want that to be clear so you know what I'm talking about. And uh, yeah, anyway, so there's your disclaimer. I'm going to hop into uh, the podcast for today. I wasn't originally planning on doing a podcast this week. Um, I I was going to just take a sabbatical, quote unquote, and kind of just uh, let the podcast breathe a little bit. And that was my plan. Um, but I just, this kept coming up in my heart and I couldn't get away from it. And I was like, you know, I could wait till, you know, after new year's to release this, but I felt impressed that it it needed to be this week. And so I'm going to stick with what I've been doing the last couple of weeks. I'm going to endeavor to keep this podcast very short, um, and, uh, just short and sweet as it were. But I really wanted to get into this topic and talk about this. And that is, that is the topic of the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Um, you've probably heard this phrase before, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. And it comes from the book of Job. We'll look at that here in just a minute. But it just kept rolling around in my heart and just wanted to talk about it. Uh, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Is that true? Well, let's get into the scriptures. And we'll, uh, we'll dive into that. In Matthew 7, verse 7, it says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Now, I just did a podcast last week entitled The Perfect Gift, and I talked all about the gifts that we receive from the Lord. And and we talked about this, that you know God's not going to give you something evil or something harmful to you when you ask Him for something good and nourishing. And he's a giver of good gifts. He's a father who loves us, and he's a father who gives us good gifts. Psalm 103 talks about the benefits of those who fear the Lord, and it includes the forgiveness of your sins, the healing of your diseases, being crowned with loving kindness and tender mercies. And it goes on to say, as a father pities his children, so the Lord has mercy on us. He pities us because he knows our frame. He knows the flesh that we deal with, and he has mercy. He has pity on us as a father has pity on his children. So he's a good father. He knows what we have need of before we ask. He relates to us. He, he doesn't, he's not far off. He's not hard to relate to. No, God made you, and he knows you better than you know you. <laughs> and God knows what you like. He knows what you enjoy, and he gives good gifts to those who ask him. And he doesn't mysteriously give you some weird, bizarre thing when you asked for this thing. Now, there are some things that we ask for that 
James talks about asking amiss because lust is actually the thing that's motivating you to ask and not, not your, heart, your heart's desire. And so God's not going to feed into something that lust is driving you to ask. But when it's a genuine good desire of your heart, it's coming from your heart, it's coming from a good place. He knows that. He knows you. And he is a giver of good gifts. Praise God. But this is what I want to address. Is he a giver and a taker? Does God take away what he gives us? Does he give us things that are good? Does he turn around and take them away from us? Well, let's answer this question. Let's keep going in in the scriptures. Um, In Job, in the beginning of Job, we see that Satan has come to the courtroom of heaven. And he was going to and fro about the whole earth, as he does, and as First Peter 5 tells us, that he goes about seeking whom he may devour. So here he is, going to and back and forth, to and fro, and he comes to God, and God just calls him out before he even has a chance to say anything. He said, have you set your heart on my servant Job? In other words, is that why you're here? Are you here for Job? <laughs> He's like, that's why you're here, Satan. You're here to bring an accusation against Job. You're here because you've set your heart on Job. And the devil goes on to say, well, you've blessed him, you've protected him, and if you took all that away, Job would curse you. And so, basically, the devil receives permission to test Job. This is spiritually legal stuff. There is a courtroom of heaven, and and there are things that God, he's not a part of it. He didn't have anything to do with it. But there are legal things that happen in the spirit. And the enemy knows that he will try to work through every legal loophole he has in the spirit. And God did not initiate this. God is not trying to test Job. God is not the one doing this. He is not the one behind this. Satan is. Satan is the one who, who initiated this thing, and he came there to bring a charge against Job, to bring an accusation against him. And so that's the context of what's happening. And God says to him, what he has is in your hand, but don't you touch his life. And there's a lot of people that go back and forth about how the devil gained access into Job's life. Some people say it was through fear because he was daily offering uh, burn offerings on, on behalf of his children, and, and some people say that was an act of fear, and that could be the case, and you do want to watch out about doing things out of fear. But regardless uh, of that, we see that for whatever reason, the enemy had access into his life. But the thing I want to emphasize to you in this is that it was the enemy who did it. It was Satan who did it. God's not doing this. This wasn't God's idea. God's not happy with this. He's not in favor of it. And yet it's happening. And this is a window into the courtroom of heaven. (laughs) And there are many things that we may not have light on yet about this, but we walk in the light that we do have. And we walk in the light of the word. But look at this in, in chapter one, verse 13. It says, now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. Watch this. When the Sabians raided them and took them away. Indeed, they have killed the servants 
with the edge of the sword. He said, I alone escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another also came and said, watch this. The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said the Chaldeans, or the Chaldeans, how some people say it, formed three bands. They raided the camels and, watch this, took them away and killed the servants. So what is going on right here? Killing and stealing. Now we'll get to this in just a minute, but who did Jesus say is the one who steals, kills, and destroys? The thief. So we see here that there is stealing and there's killing, there's destruction going on. So who do we know is at work here? Satan. Satan is at work because there is stealing, there is killing, there's destruction. We'll see in just a minute that this building fell in, a hurricane wind came through and caused this building to fall on his children, all his grown children who were there having dinner. So that's destruction. So we see that there is stealing and there is killing and there is destruction happening. So we know that this is the work of the thief. Watch this. They told Job this and it says, When he heard these things, he fell to the ground and worshipped. Now I'll just say this real quick. When you don't understand things that have happened, when you go through things, when, when something happens in your life, any kind of a tragedy or any kind of thing that you don't understand, the proper response is always worship. Job didn't know why this happened. He's dealing with grief in his soul, but he fell to the ground and he worshiped. This is always the right response to any kind of bad thing trying to manifest in your life. That's a great place to start. Look at this. And he worshiped and he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It says, In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Now, I want to emphasize this to you real quick. Um, People in my camp of charismatic, word of faith kind of people, we've got to watch out about judging other believers who don't necessarily have light in the same areas that we do. I'm talking to those people who are in my camp, who've grown up around that. Um, A lot of times we'll hear other people say things like, you know, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And we've been trained to say, well, no, no, that was the devil and this and that. And and we got to watch out, though. Because, yes, there's truth and light to be had in that. That's why we're having this podcast. But we don't want to despise. And we don't want to judge people because if they're walking in the light that they have, then God's looking at their heart. And that's what happened with Job. Job didn't know there was a devil who was who was bringing a charge against him in the courtroom of heaven and going out to do all these things. He didn't know about that. And yet, the Bible says he didn't sin because he didn't accuse God of doing wrong, even though he thought the Lord did this. And so God's always looking at the heart. 
And that's what we should look at too. Now, yes, we want to pray and believe for people to get light in areas. And that's why I'm, that's why we're having this podcast. That's why I hit record today. But don't judge people. Don't, don't be quick to come against them. God's looking at their heart. And Job in this thing, he said, The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And he didn't sin because he didn't accuse God of doing wrong. Now, the thing I, I want to get into in this podcast, though, is that is that true? Did the Lord give and also take away? Well, in this context, no, <laughs> because we know that Satan was behind this stealing, this killing and this destruction. So the Lord was not the one who took away from him. And yet Job thought that he was the one who did it. Job thought the Lord gave and took away. Now, what I see in this, the thing that this is reminds me of is The Grinch. Now, we just came through Christmas, and one of my favorite movies, I've already referenced it a few times, but one of my favorite movies this time of year is The Grinch, and the particularly the animated one. What, what did The Grinch do? The Grinch stole Christmas. <laughs> but what's interesting is that The Grinch didn't just steal Christmas, he did it dressed as Santa Claus. Now, don't get mad at me. Don't get mad at me. I don't, I don't believe in Santa Claus any more than I believe in the Grinch. <laughs> you understand? But th there's a type and a shadow of something here that I want to point out to you. The Grinch stole Christmas because he wanted to prove that all these people's joy was wrapped up in their stuff. And that if he could steal this away from them, he could also steal their joy. But what did Jesus say about joy? He said, your joy no man takes away from you. And he said, in this world, you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. So if no man can take your joy away from you, is God out to steal your joy? No. Is God out to steal your peace? No. But watch this. The Grinch stole Christmas to try and steal their joy, and he did it dressed as Santa Claus. Why did he do it dressed as Santa Claus? Because if somebody woke up and saw Santa Claus, they wouldn't try to stop him. Because if you think that the thief is the one that you're supposed to be thinking is the good guy, then you're not going to try to stop the thief. And there's a lot of people who, if they don't understand that the devil is the one trying to steal from them, they won't, they won't stop them. If you think God is the one who's afflicting you and stealing from you, you won't stop them. But, 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 but there's something else here, too. The Grinch dressed up as Santa Claus and stole from these Who's in Whoville, and he tried to change the way that they saw him. <laughs> that they saw Santa Claus. Now, now, again, this is a type of a shadow. Don't get mad at me. One of Satan's favorite things to do is pretend to be God and try to sell himself as God and get you to think that he's doing things, but it's actually God. And, and why does he want to do that? Because he wants to change the way that you see God. That's why he's doing it. Look at this, though, in uh, Hebrews 10, 32. It talked about not losing your joy. I love the way the Grinch ends because these who's, they don't lose their joy. 
even though they lost their Christmas, they lost their stuff, they didn't lose their joy. And it reminded me of this verse in Hebrews 10.32. It says, But recall the former days in which, after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings, partly while you were made a spectacle both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. For you had compassion on me in my chains, and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and enduring possession for yourself in heaven. He goes on to say, Therefore do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Now now listen to me. If Satan can attack the way you see your source, he can attack your confidence in the reward of what you're going through. If Satan can get you to believe that God is the one who's stealing from you, he can attack your confidence in the reward that's waiting for you. They took joyfully the plundering of their goods, not because they thought God was doing it, but because they knew that they have a source that's better than the people that are trying to take away their stuff. In other words, my joy no man takes away from me because God is my source. God is my source of joy, and I've got better and more enduring substance in heaven. And not only that, God can give you better things on the earth. (laughs) So if you have a right understanding of the good nature of your heavenly Father, that He gives good gifts, you're not going to be afraid, you're not going to be sorrowful and depressed if you lose something in the natural, because you know who your source is. But that's why Satan wants to attack the way you see your source, because if he can attack that, he can attack your confidence. He can get you to cast away your confidence. Do you see what what the scripture is saying here? And Satan is accusing God to you. (laughs) Now, we see in Job, he he accused Job to God, but he didn't stop there. He also accused God to Job. And this is what you got to watch out uh, with Satan. You know, the test in this is trusting in the goodness of God, even though you don't understand, and not laying something to God's charge and acting like God is wrong. But Satan will bring a charge against God to you, and he'll bring a charge against you to God. He is trying to hinder your fellowship. Do you see that? He's trying to hinder this connection, (laughs) this trust. See, if you don't feel safe, you're not going to trust. If you don't feel safe with somebody, if you don't know when they're going to fly off the handle and start hurting you or hitting you or something, you can't trust somebody you don't feel safe with. So Satan wants to attack your safety, your security in God. That's why he wants to make you think that God is the one stealing from you, killing things in your life, destroying things in your life. He wants to steal that sense of safety and security in God, that trust in him. That's why the most important thing, when stuff happens that you don't understand, when tragedy hits, the number one thing is don't break fellowship with God. Don't stop trusting God. Even if you don't understand why it happened or how it happened, hey, what do I know immediately? God is good. God loves me. God didn't do this. I trust him. 
I trust you, Lord. Even if you have to say it through your tears, I trust you, Lord. I trust you, I trust you, I trust you. The goodness of God. And you know that God's not the one that stole from me. Now, there are things that God will ask you to lay down. We'll talk about that here in the end of the podcast. So let me just reemphasize this. What would cause you to take loss in this world with joy? It would be confidence in your source. Confidence in the goodness of God. Confident expectation of that goodness. What did David say in Psalm 27? I would have lost heart unless I had believed to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And that's why Satan wants to attack the way you see God. He wants to attack your expectation in God. Let me read this verse to you. Uh, John chapter 10, starting in verse 4. It says, Jesus is talking, and he says, When the shepherd brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Did you hear that? The sheep didn't hear the thieves and the robbers. In other words, Satan is trying to get your attention, and you're not listening to the thief. You're not listening to the robber. Why? Because that's a stranger's voice. And he says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd does what? Gives his life for the sheep. So this is what I want to emphasize to you. Satan loves to impersonate God. Why? So you don't resist him when he comes to steal. But also he wants you to blame God for his theft. That's why you need to know the voice and the nature of your good shepherd. Your good shepherd is a giver, not a thief. And how do I know it's my good shepherd talking to me? He doesn't give me the spirit of fear, the Bible says, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And the Bible says, if you keep your mind stayed on the Lord, he'll keep you in perfect peace. So if something is trying to steal and rob my peace, <laughs> what, what do I know? That's not my shepherd. If something's trying to steal and rob my joy, what do I know? That's not my shepherd. Um, if something is trying to steal and rob my confidence. Now, now this is something you have to understand. You know, you can read the Bible or you can hear a message. And if you've got fear working in your heart, fear is like a, a filter. You, have you ever seen like these water filters where all the water that runs through it is it's filtered? Well, the water may be good and pure, but it's going to filter through this thing. When you've got fear working in your heart, the Bible says the word mixed with not mixed with faith did not profit the listeners. So if you have a filter of fear at work in your heart that you're not dealing with, it can affect the way you hear. But he said, they don't hear the thief. They don't hear the robber. They don't hear the one that's trying to steal their peace or trying to steal their joy, trying to steal their confidence in God. Do you see that? You don't listen to the thief. And Satan, he wants to impersonate God 
and he wants to try and oppress you with fear, with bondage, with sorrow, with a lack of confidence, because you thought that God took something away from you. You thought God's punishing me. God's doing this. God's doing that. Why? Because he wants to make you feel like you don't really know God. I'm going to say it again. Satan wants to make you feel like you don't really know God. Because I thought I knew God. I thought I knew him. I thought he was good. I thought he loved me. I thought this and that. But but Satan wants to make you think you don't really know God. You thought you knew him, but you don't really know him. You don't really know Jesus. You thought you knew him, but you don't really know him. This is the way he really is. What's he trying to do? He's attacking your confidence in knowing your good shepherd. And what can he do if he can attack your confidence in knowing your good shepherd? Then you're not going to listen to your good shepherd and you'll end up following him, the thief and the robber. And then he's going to keep stealing from you. (laughs) That's his goal. He's trying to get you away from the good shepherd. But what did your good shepherd say? My sheep know my voice. And a stranger they will not follow. Now, you can get off into stuff in the flesh. You can get off into your soul about stuff. But if you'll be honest with yourself, when you do that, something about it's not lining up with your heart. And in your heart, you know, eh, I don't think that's quite right. Or that's, that's strange, but maybe it's appealing to the outward man. But in your inward man, in your spirit, you know your good shepherd. You know his voice. You know his nature. You know him. And do not let the enemy lie to you and tell you you don't. But one of the things he tries to do to get you to to think you don't actually know him is he steals something. He stole something. He attacked something. He did something. He robbed something. And then he said, oh, God did it. God did it. The Lord gave and the Lord took away. Because he wants to change the way you see your heavenly father. Do you see that? And he wants to make you think, I, I, I don't know him like I thought I did. But that's not what Jesus said. The Bible says that the Spirit in us bears witness that we are the children of God. Amen. Glory to God. Let me keep reading here. Romans eight thirty one says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? What does it mean to freely give you something? It means no strings attached. How shall he with him not also freely give us all things? Watch this. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? What what did Satan do? He brought a charge against Job. And it says, it is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Listen, God is not the one bringing a charge against you. He's the one interceding for you. And more specifically, Jesus is interceding for you. He ever lives to make intercession for you. God was not the one who accused Job. He interceded for Job when Satan brought the charge against him. Do you see that? And so here's the thing we've got to learn. 
We need to be like God. We need to, and this might sound weird to your ears, but we need to have God's back the way he has our back. When Satan brings a charge against us in the courtroom of heaven, Jesus steps in and says, uh-uh, hey, hold on, hey, and he intercedes for us. And when Satan brings a charge against God to us, we need to be the same way. We need to say, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on a second here. God did this for me. God did that. Uh, God has sustained me through this. God has sustained me through that. And besides that, the word says this, the word says that. And if Satan throws a scripture at you out of context, come back like Jesus and say, it is also written that God is good. And it's his goodness that leads us to repentance. And he's a good father who gives good gifts. And he loves me and I'm his child. And if God is for me, who can be against me? Who's going to bring a charge against me? And Jesus makes intercession for me. And you shut down the lies of the devil when you do that. And you stay in fellowship with your father. Amen. Glory to God. God doesn't bring the charge against us. He intercedes for us. And the enemy steals things to get us to blame God. And so how should we respond to that? The Lord took away? No, he's a good giver God. We should recognize that it's the enemy who is the thief. And no matter what the enemy has stolen, if you'll trust in the goodness of God, he'll restore to you twice as much as what was stolen. Look at this in Job 42.10. It says, And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job as twice as much as he had. Praise God. See, Satan was the one who stole. God was the one who restored. Satan may steal from you, but God can and will restore to you twice as much if you'll have faith in his goodness and recognize that it wasn't him that stole from you. Amen. And we see a picture of this uh, in the story of Ruth and Naomi. You know, uh, the enemy stole her husband and her two sons. And she thought the Almighty had afflicted her. But that wasn't the truth. And we see God's nature revealed through Ruth and through Boaz. And what he did in that whole situation, it restored Naomi's expectation and faith in the kindness of God and the kind nature of God. Amen. He wasn't the one who stole from her. Satan did that, but God was the one who restored to her. Amen. Let me touch on this and I'll just be a minute longer. Matthew 10, 8 says, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Now, I want to get into when it comes to us laying down things, when God does ask us to lay things down and give things up, how are we to do that? He said, freely you received, freely give. In other words, there's no strings attached. Let me say it to you like this. God will never take something away from you. You have to lay it down. <laughs> if God puts his finger on something and says, hey, I want you to lay this down. I want you to give this up, or I want you to lay it down for a season. It's your choice. God's not going to take it from you. If you don't want to lay it down, don't you won't lay it down. He's not going to force you to do that. Freely you have received. 
freely you are to give when God leads you to do that, whether it's material things. And there are also times that God may put his finger on other things and say, hey, that's not from me. That's not in my plan for you. I need you to lay that down. I need you to lay that down. And that's a test of our trust in him and our love for him when that happens. But I want to address this really quickly. Um, Abraham and Isaac. You know, uh, people talk about Isaac and they say, you know, God, God will ask for your Isaac. And there's a truth in that. I mean, God asked Abraham for Isaac. And and I I did a podcast about this a while back called uh, Isaac's and Ishmael's. If you haven't heard that, maybe go back and listen to it. I got more in depth in this subject. But suffice it to say, anytime you're talking about something God's asking you to lay down inevitably, the better way to say that is God's asking for your Ishmael. Now, again, if your name's Ishmael, I'm sorry. Uh, Elijah Merle said this recently on the podcast. I'm sorry that your name is Ishmael. <laughs> I'm not saying that. That's just what he said. But um, Ishmael was somebody that Abraham loved. I mean, it's his flesh and blood. It's his son. And yet the Lord said, send him away and I'm going to take care of him. But he's not a part of my plan for your life. And he had to be willing to lay that down. And I know that wasn't easy on Abraham's soul. But Isaac was a, a whole different thing because God told Abraham, in Isaac will your seed be named. And Hebrews chapter 6 tells us that Abraham offered Isaac by faith, knowing that if necessary, God would raise him from the dead. Abraham never expected to lose Isaac. Do you understand that? And he offered him in response to God saying, hey, offer him to me. And and Ishmael was a test of Abraham's obedience, but Isaac was a test of his trust. Do you see that? And trust is one of the greatest forms of worship, one of the greatest ways of putting God first in your life. And Abraham never expected to live without Isaac. He laid him down. He offered him by faith. This is what the scripture says, believing that God would raise him from the dead. And in so doing, he actually believed for the resurrection of Jesus. That's a whole nother sermon podcast, you know, for another day. But uh, Brother Keith Moore has some excellent material on that if you're interested in it. But suffice it to say, if God does ask for your Isaac, that's good news. Because <laughs> number one, if it's really your Isaac, you're going to get it back and more besides. And if God asks for something that's not of him and not a part of his plan for your life, then it's something that God has something better and it would have been a weight and a hindrance to you. And so he's a good God. You can trust him. But do you see how in all these things with Job, with Ruth and Naomi, and with Abraham and Isaac, the common denominator is trust. And that's the thing that Satan wants to steal from you is your trust in God, your sense of safety and security in him. And he wants to rob that, take that away. And he he does it by trying to deceive you into seeing God a wrong way, into seeing God as he is, (laughs) not as God is, as Satan is. He's trying to impersonate God, but a stranger's voice, you will not follow. Let me mention this to you and I'll be done. In uh, Mark 10, verse starting verse 17, it's talking about the rich young ruler. And it says, now as he was going out on the road, 
One came running and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. In other words, he wasn't calling Jesus good because he thought he was the Son of God. He called him good because he thought he was good by his own standards. That's why Jesus said, There's only one good, and that's God. So why are you calling me good? What do you be- In other words, do you believe that I'm the Son of God? <laughs> There's a whole lot we could get into with that. But he said, You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Uh, and, and the man said, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him, said, One thing you lack. Go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. Now, notice Jesus said, You go, you give, you sell, you give to the poor, and what's going to happen? You'll have a better and more enduring s- substance. We're back to Hebrews chapter 10. You see what he's saying here. Hey, you're not going to lose anything. You're making an investment. You've got a better and more enduring substance in heaven. This is an opportunity to invest into the kingdom of God. God's not taking anything away from him. He's given him an opportunity to freely give, to invest into the kingdom. And he didn't even know what he would have a part of. He didn't even know what he would have a part of if he had joined up. But look at this. He was sad at this word and he went away. And Jesus said how hard it is for those who have riches to enter into the kingdom. And down down a, a little ways here, it says, And Peter began to say to him, See, we have left all and followed you. So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the Gospels, who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and lands with persecutions, and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. What's he saying here? Well, first of all, the rich young ruler didn't didn't find out about this because he wasn't willing to to lay anything down for the kingdom. But what he's saying is, listen, if you invest anything into the kingdom, if you lay something down freely for the kingdom, you're not going to lose your reward. In other words, I'm not stealing anything from you. (laughs) Do you see that? God's not taking anything away. He's not stealing anything from you. If you do lay anything down for the kingdom, and, and if you follow Jesus, he will ask you to lay things down, then you're going to receive a hundredfold in this life of all those things that you've laid down. Do you see that? God is not unjust to forget your good work and your labor of love. He's a good God. He's a good Father. And He's a rewarder. Of those who diligently seek him. Do you see how in all these things, and this is what I want to emphasize to you, God is no thief. He's a giver. He's a generous God. And he gives good gifts to those who ask him. And no, he's not the taker. He's not the thief. And he gives you opportunities to lay things down. He'll ask you to lay things down freely, but not without knowing that if you do, not only Will you receive more in this life, but you've got a better and more enduring substance in heaven? In other words, God has laid up for you more good gifts. 
Do you see that? He never stops giving. I like something I heard my spiritual father, Brother Keith Moore, say recently. With God, the giving never stops. And with God, you're never the first one to give. The Bible says, what do you have that you have not received? And so I want to just encourage you, God is no thief. He's not looking to take anything away from your life. If he does ask you to lay something down, it's either because he's got something better for you or because he wants to help you and strengthen you and give that back to you in better condition down the road. But God is never looking to steal from you. And when you know that, you can rest, you can feel safe and trust him that no matter what comes your way, no matter what happens, you know he's a good God, he's a giver, and what's in store for you if you'll follow him is only good. Amen. Glory to God. Well, this has been the No Content Podcast. I hope you got something out of this today. I'll talk to you the next time. Thanks again for listening to the No Content Podcast. Remember that Jesus loves you. He loves everyone else. And please don't forget to feed the ducks.